This is a story based on true events, shared by those brave or fortunate enough to have crossed paths with entities beyond our everyday understanding. What we delve into in this episode takes us back over a century, to a time when the world was quite different, but the mysteries that pervade it were no less striking. Humanoid encounters are not a new phenomenon. They have been reported throughout history, across diverse cultures, and spanning all continents. From folklore and legends to modern-day sightings, these experiences have left a profound impact on those who have encountered them, often changing their lives in ways they could never have anticipated. This story takes us to the year 1900, to an undisclosed location in New South Wales, Australia. As we journey back in time, remember that these narratives are part of our shared human experience, a testament to the high strangeness that weaves through the fabric of our existence. In the rugged heart of New South Wales, Australia, 1900, where the air was thick with the scent of eucalyptus and the night sang with a chorus of cicadas, lay a tiny homestead. This was a world untouched by the march of time, where the glow of the Milky Way outshone any man-made lights, and the billabong nearby was the hub of life. Here lived Ilsa, a spirited twelve-year-old with a head full of stories and a heart full of courage. She was the eldest of three. Her sisters, Ada and Elsie, were the rapt audience to her enchanting tales. Every night, under the blanket of stars, they huddled together by the billabong. They shared laughter, punctuating the symphony of the wild. Maeve, their mother, watched over them with a tender gaze. A woman made of steel and kindness, she was the anchor in their stormy world. Having lost her husband, she filled the roles of both parents, providing for her family and nurturing her daughters with unyielding love. A stone's throw away lived Tom, a strapping young farmhand. His days were spent toiling under the relentless Australian sun, and his nights were spent under the endless star-studded sky. He was a constant presence in their lives, a pillar of support to Maeve and a big brother figure to the girls. And then there was Grandpa Hugh, a man as old as time itself. His creased face was a roadmap of wisdom. His stories, a journey through a rich tapestry of Aboriginal folklore. He spoke of the dreamtime, of the spirits, and of little humanoid creatures with leathery skin. The girls hung on to his every word, their eyes wide with fascination and a sliver of fear. One night, as the southern stars began their silent march across the sky, the usual routine took a startling turn. The evening started no different from the others. Ilsa, Ada, and Elsie lay nestled by the billabong, their innocent chatter blending with the rhythmic croaking of the frogs. Ilsa was in the middle of recounting one of Grandpa Hugh's stories about the mischievous little creatures when a sudden gust of wind rustled the gum trees overhead. The usually placid billabong rippled, the moon's reflection distorting into a thousand tiny shards of silver. A hush fell over the bushland, the nocturnal creatures silenced as if holding their collective breath, 
The girls huddled closer, their laughter replaced by nervous giggles. Elsa's heart pounded in her chest, her mind echoing Grandpa Hugh's words about the little creatures. She glanced over at Ada and Elsie, their faces pale in the moonlight. She opened her mouth to reassure them, but before the words could escape her lips, a strange rustling sounded from the underbush. Ada and Elsie clung to Ilsa as the rustling grew louder. The air grew dense, the wind carrying a strange, unfamiliar scent. Their surroundings took on an eerie quality, the shadows thrown by the moonlight appearing darker, deeper. Suddenly, the ground beneath them seemed to shift. Ilsa felt a cold hand grip her ankle. She barely had time to gasp before she was pulled away from her sisters into the waiting arms of the night. As she was whisked away, she caught a glimpse of the little humanoid creatures Grandpa Hugh had warned them about. They were just as he described, their leathery skin gleaming under the moon's glow. In an instant, Ilsa was gone, leaving behind a void that was felt throughout the homestead. The billabong, once a source of joy and comfort, now echoed with a chilling silence. As dawn broke over the homestead, painting the sky with hues of pink and gold, an uneasy silence had settled. Maeve, emerging from the cottage, squinted in the morning light, her gaze falling on the empty spot by the billabong. A knot tightened in her stomach as she called out for Ilsa, her voice breaking the dawn's tranquility. There was no answer. Panic sharp and unwelcome gripped her heart. Ada and Elsie were there, huddled together, their eyes wide and tear-streaked. But Ilsa was nowhere to be seen. Terror clawed its way up Maeve's throat as she scooped her younger daughters into her arms, peppering them with frantic questions. Their responses, muffled and terrified, only confirmed her worst fears. Ilsa was missing. Maeve rallied the homestead, her voice echoing through the still morning air. Tom, hearing the alarm, abandoned his chores and rushed over. His face paled as he took in the sight of the tear-streaked faces and the empty spot by the billabong. Within moments, the small community was mobilised. Neighbours who had shared laughter and stories over bonfires now shared a common dread. Men, women, and even the older children joined in the search, their faces grim and determined. They combed through the bushland, their calls for Ilsa echoing between the gum trees. They searched through the day, under the scorching sun, their hopes waning as the hours rolled on, but they didn't give up. Led by Maeve's unyielding determination and Tom's unwavering support, they were united in their mission, to find Ilsa and bring her home. Meanwhile, in a world removed from the sunlit bushland and the billabong, Ilsa found herself in a realm of damp earth and hushed whispers. The comforting twinkling of the stars was replaced by a dim phosphorescent glow that emanated from the walls of her subterranean enclosure. 
Ilsa's heart pounded in her chest, her body shivering with cold and fear. She could hear the soft shuffling of feet, the occasional guttural murmur, the humanoid creatures Grandpa Hugh had spoken of. They were no longer just characters in a story. They were her captors, their leathery skin a stark contrast to the soft hands that tended to her. One of them approached her, a bowl in its hand. Ilsa watched as it scooped a handful of something from the bowl. It was a thick, greasy substance that gleamed under the strange glow. She flinched as the creature reached out and began to spread the substance, which she soon realized was animal fat, on her body. The fat was cold, its greasy texture making her skin crawl. She could hardly see anything, her eyes stinging as the fat was smeared over her face. She was blind, disoriented, her world reduced to guttural sounds and the slick feel of the animal fat. Time became a fluid concept as Elsa's senses were subdued. She could only guess the passing hours by the waxing and waning of the guttural murmurs. Fear and confusion warred within her, but amidst it all, a realization dawned. She was trapped, a captive of the leathery-skinned creatures of Grandpa Hugh's stories. The dreamy billabong under the starlit sky seemed like a distant memory as Ilsa succumbed to her surreal reality. In her world of darkness and guttural whispers, Ilsa had almost forgotten the sound of her own name. But then, faint as a dream, she heard it. Ilsa! The call was distant, muffled by layers of earth and roots, but unmistakable. Hope ignited within her, pushing back the fear and confusion. I'm here, she wanted to scream, but the words were lost in the thick air of her underground prison. Her mind raced, thoughts colliding and merging, but one stood out. She needed to get their attention. Her hand brushed against something rough and gnarled above her. Tree roots. Her heart pounded with a renewed sense of purpose as she clawed at them, her nails scraping against the rough bark. Each tug, each tear brought her closer to the surface, to freedom. Her hands were raw and bleeding, but she didn't stop. She could hear her name being called more distinctly now. They were searching for her. She had to let them know where she was. With a final surge of desperation, she ripped through a particularly thick root. Daylight, dim and diffused, spilled into her dark prison. She reached up, her arm breaking through the earth's surface. The cool air of the bushland greeted her skin, a stark contrast to the dank air underground. She weaved her arm, her heart thrumming with adrenaline. The climatic moment had arrived. Ilsa had broken through. She was no longer just a missing child. She was a signal, a beacon of hope for those searching for her. The bushland was eerily quiet when Tom first saw the arm. He was walking by the billabong, his heart heavy with despair, when a movement caught his eye. 
He turned, his breath hitching as he saw the small, dirt-covered arm waving from the ground. Fear gripped him. He stumbled back, his mind racing with stories of the spirits and monsters that lurked in the bushland. He ran, the sight of the arm burning in his mind. But as he fled, a chilling thought took hold. What if it was Ilsa? He stopped in his tracks, his heart pounding. He thought of Maeve, of Ada and Elsie, and of the desperate search that had consumed their lives. Swallowing his fear, he turned back, his determination steening him against the unknown. As he neared the spot again, he heard it. A muffled cry, barely audible. His heart lurched. It was Ilsa. He ran back to the homestead, his shouts bringing Maeve and the rest of the family rushing. The sight that greeted them was like nothing they had imagined. There in the very heart of their homestead, an arm reached out from the earth. Maeve's grasp echoed through the silent bushland as they fell into action. With a collective effort, they started pulling at the earth, a tug of war against the ground that held Ilsa captive. The arm waved, weak but persistent, guiding their frantic efforts. Sweat trickled down their brows, their hands raw and bleeding as they clawed at the earth. And then, with a final desperate pull, Ilsa emerged. Dirty, smeared with animal fat, but alive. The air was filled with relieved sobs and exclamations as they pulled her into their arms. The ordeal, finally over. Ilsa was home, rescued from the clutches of her underground prison. The bushland echoed with their relieved cries. The homestead once again a haven under the Australian sun. As Ilsa clung to her family, the bushland surrounding their homestead seemed to breathe a sigh of relief. The frantic shouts and cries of the search were replaced by whispers of awe and disbelief. The small community gathered around the family, their faces a mix of relief and trepidation. Maeve held her daughter close, tears of relief streaming down her face. Ada and Elsie clung to their sister, their young faces awash with a mix of joy and fear. Tom stood by them, his hand resting protectively on Ilsa's head, his face etched with relief and gratitude. Grandpa Hugh, who had watched the rescue with a solemn silence, now stepped forward. He declared, his voice echoing through the bushland, We celebrate tonight, for our girl has returned. And so, as night fell, they built a bonfire. It blazed brightly, its flames licking the dark sky, right above the spot where Ilsa had emerged. The sight was both triumphant and eerie, a beacon of their victory and a stark reminder of the ordeal. As they huddled around the fire sharing food and stories, a strange sense of camaraderie took hold. The incident had shaken them, the reality of Grandpa Hugh's story settling in their hearts. The billabong was no longer just a peaceful spot. It became a symbol of their shared experience. Laughter and chatter filled the air, but every so often, their eyes would drift to the fire, 
and then to Ilsa, safe and sound among them. There was relief indeed, but also a newfound weariness, a respect for the stories and the land they called home. As the fire crackled and the stars twinkled overhead, they celebrated their victory, their community stronger and more united than ever before. As the night wore on, Ilsa sat quietly by the fire, the warmth seeping into her skin, replacing the cool dampness of her underground ordeal. She watched as her family and friends laughed and told stories, the eerie glow of the bonfire casting long shadows on their faces. Her mind replayed the events of her captivity, the guttural noises of the creatures, the greasy feel of the animal fat. She shivered, not from the cold, but from the memory. But amidst the fear and confusion, she felt something else, an understanding. She realized that she had become part of the stories Grandpa Hugh told, her experience adding a layer to the rich tapestry of their community's folklore. She was no longer just a listener. She was a participant, a living testament to the reality of the tales. In the days that followed, Ilsa found herself drawn to storytelling. She would sit by the billabong, her sisters and the other children of the community gathered around her, their eyes wide with anticipation. She would tell them about the creatures, about her time underground, her voice weaving a spell around her listeners. Her stories were a warning, a reminder of the truths hidden in their folklore, but they were also a testament to her resilience, her survival against odds. She had emerged from her ordeal stronger, wiser, her experience shaping her into the community's new storyteller. As she ended each story, she would look up at the starlit sky, her eyes drifting to the spot where the bonfire had blazed. She would remember the fear, the desperation, but also the hope, the relief. She had been lost, then found. She had faced the unknown and emerged victorious. She had become a part of their stories, and in doing so, she had found her own. This story was written and narrated by me, James Deverell. Thank you for listening to this story. If you enjoyed my storytelling, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more Tales of High Strangeness. I started this podcast off the back of my YouTube channel by the same name, which formerly went by Mr. Sinister. You can check out my older stories, which are still available on that channel. For short-form content, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook via the handle at Tales of High Strangeness. For exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content plus more, check out my Patreon account. If you or anyone else you know has a story about anything related to high strangeness, please reach out to me with a brief description to stories at daredeverall.com. I don't need you to write the whole story, so you don't need to worry about being an English major. We'll be doing all the writing. You'll just need to be willing to jump on a call with me so we can have a chat and I can get the whole story. Thanks again for listening.